1: 2021. I thought it would be appropriate to, I mean, we don't do this often, but to go over the purpose statement that John and the rest of the teachers put together. Uh, we have some new folks online, and again, we don't do this very often, but uh, Becoming Buddha Cross River Meditation Center preserves and presents a human Buddha's Dhamma initially recorded as the second book of the Pali Canon, the Sutta Pitaka, Our practice is informed from over 300 curated suttas restored by John to their original intent and practical focus. Our practice is empty of imagined insight, magical thinking, mystical grasping after, and unfounded speculation. And I guess this just first paragraph, you'll see this come up within this teaching this evening and many of uh, the Buddha's teachings. Our teachers and students remain focused on these suttas to develop a direct mindful experience of establishing a well-concentrated, supple, and conflict-free mind through the Eightfold Path. It is the Eightfold Path that Siddhartha Gautama taught over the last 45 years of his life with the sole purpose of abandoning self-inflicted stress and suffering through ending ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. These are our our few and very few uh, Sangha class guidelines. These guidelines support a well-informed and well-focused Sangha and establish the most effective environment for Dhamma practice, always focused on liberation from ignorance. Becoming Buddha Cross River Meditation Center is a true refuge from the chaos in the world and ideological contradictions and fundamental confusion prevalent in modern Buddhism by common agreement. Our practice is framed by the Eightfold Path, which establishes a skillful balance of jhana meditation, sutta study, sangha participation, and daily individual dhamma practice. When gathered for dhamma class, we refer only to the Buddha's dhamma as restored by John and presented by our teachers. When gathered as a sangha, we accept respons- responsibility for maintaining the gentle integrity of our Sangha. When gathered as a Sangha, we are free from grasping after magical, mystical and speculative concepts and fabricated experiences. When gathered as a Sangha, we practice wise restraint. Questions or confusions about verbiage or arising from comparisons to other modern Buddhist practices, modern Buddhist teachers or what they are teaching are not part of our Dhamma classes or Sangha discussions Mm. and should only be a direct uh, addressed directly to our teachers outside of Dhamma class. Individual class suits are linked in our newsletter for home st- study prior to our class. So very simple, very direct, and very uh, appropriate for tonight's class. Tonight's class is the fifth of the six uh, studies that we've had Uh, the Kajaniya Sutta. And again, I always try to frame any class that I teach with how I practice. And I like to overlay different aspects. I try to keep within the context of dependent origination and the Four Noble Truths and no teaching should be a standalone teaching. So above us, we have the Four Noble Truths and the Five Clinging Aggregates and the Dependent Origination. And I like to overlay any teaching that I read along Dependent Origination. And you'll see some common threads in where your practice lays. Of course, it's at the point of contact. So when you hear any teaching, uh, I advise you to do that because it's within the context of not just dependent origination but the Four Noble Truths and the uh, Five Clinging Aggregates. And I would like to start tonight's teaching with uh, the Buddha's first Uh, time he he brought up the five thinking aggregate this of course is the first noble truth now this friends is the noble truth of stress birth is stressful aging is stressful death is stressful sorrow regret pain distress and despair are stressful association with the undesired is stressful separation from what is desired is stressful not getting what is wanted is stressful In short, the five clinging aggregates are stressful. These are John's words on tonight's teaching. The Kajaniya Sutta is a profound teaching on the confusion and suffering that follows from clinging to speculative views rooted in ignorance of the four noble truths. The Buddha described the personal experience of ongoing stress and suffering as the five clinging aggregates. A mind rooted in ignorance of the four noble truths, is constantly grasping at fabrications in order to continually give birth to another moment rooted in ignorance. Release from Affliction, the Kajaniya Sutta On one occasion, the Buddha was staying at Savati. There he addressed those gathered. Friends, any Dhamma practitioner who directs their thinking to past lives are only recollecting one or all of the five clinging aggregates. Which five? When recollecting I was one with such form in the past, one is only recollecting form. When recollecting, I was one with such feeling in the past, one is only recollecting feeling. When recollecting, I was one with perceptions in the past, one is only recollecting perceptions. When recollecting, I was one with such fabrications in the past, one is recollecting fabrications. When recollecting, I was one with such consciousness. In the past, one is only recollecting consciousness. Why is the form aggregate called form? Because it is afflicted. Form is afflicted with cold, heat, hunger, thirst, wind, sun, bugs, and reptiles. John's words. The five clinging aggregates describe the ongoing personal experience of suffering. It is from personalizing an ordinary and impermanent phenomenon that one joins with suffering through self-identification, I am cold, I am hot, etc. So, this form aggregate, of course, that's our, what we identify as us. Uh, of course, it is impermanent, so therefore, We are subject to heat and hunger and thirst and if we don't take care of it, it cannot stand alone. It will decay, age, get sick, and die. The Buddha's words, Why is the feeling aggregate called feeling? Because it feels. It feels pleasure, pain, and neither pleasure nor pain. again, Look at these aggregates in where they fall in dependent origination and you can see that in rooted with ignorance, we will fabricate and then there's consciousness and then there's uh, perception and I think you see that at what point at Nama Rupa? Is that where perceptions would be seen? And then of course feeling after the point of contact. The Buddha's words. Why is the perception aggregate called perception? Because it perceives. It perceives blue, yellow, red, and white. And finally, why is the fabrication aggregate called fabrication? Because it fabricates. It fabricates what is experienced as form, feelings, perceptions, consciousness. It fabricates fabrications. And I thought this was really interesting commentary uh, by John on this one. John's words, dependent origination clearly shows that it is ignorance of the Four Noble Truths that is requisite condition of fabrications. Fabrications are one aggregate that can only continue to fabricate life experiences further confused and diluted consciousness. A mind rooted in ignorance will compulsively ignore anything that challenges its ignorance. The intent and purposes of the Eightfold Path is to provide the framework and necessary guidance to recognize and abandon ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. So, of course, the very first link after the (coughs) rooted ignorance is fabrication. The Buddha continues, Why is consciousness aggregate called consciousness? Because it cognizes. It cognizes sour, sweet, bitter, pungent, salty and bland. And John often reminds us, of course, the Buddha is talking about the ongoing thinking rooted in ignorance of the Four Noble Truths, not some grand consciousness. The Buddha's words, Friends, a well-instructed Dhamma practitioner understands, I am now afflicted by form. In the past I was afflicted by form. If I delight in future form, I will likewise be afflicted with future form. As we learned from Kevin's teaching last week, on the Salata Sutta about the cause of the second arrow and the continued cycle of suffering it causes. The uninstructed practitioner assumes the aggregates to be self. The uninstructed experience distraction and self-loathing. They join with their stress and suffer unaware that they are the very cause of this avoidable stress and suffering. If you haven't had a chance to listen to Kevin's, I strongly suggest... You do. It it was a wonderful teaching and a great Sangha discussion. The Buddha's words. Understanding they become disenchanted with the past and future form. They are now practicing the Dhamma to become disenchanted and dispassionate with present form. They are now practicing the Dhamma to develop sensation from clinging to present form. I, I think we've all found it interesting, the word disenchanted. It's almost as if that's the defilement of delusion, that we are enchanted by this thing that we claim to be a permanent self. And as we come to understand and become disenchanted, it allows us to then within our practice at the point of contact develop restraint and then be able to abandon and be released and really what you experience then is that calm that allows you to experience that very moment and that's where you see that your, your karma at that point of contact. So this is what I read as at the point of disenchantment John's words abandoning speculation one can now direct their right effort to the matter at hand integrating and developing to completion the eightfold path with a distracted mind you can't do that Uh, and that's the purpose of jhana meditation so you develop refined mindfulness the Buddha continues Furthermore, this well-instructed Dhamma practitioner understands, I am now being afflicted by feelings, by perceptions, by fabrications, and by consciousness. In the past, I was also afflicted by feelings, by perceptions, by fabrications, and by consciousness. If I delight in future feelings, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness, I will likewise be afflicted with future feelings, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness. Understanding they become disenchanted with past and future feelings, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness. They are now practicing the Dhamma to become disenchanted and dispassionate with present feelings, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness. They are now practicing the Dhamma to develop sensation from clinging to present feelings, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness. What do you think, friends? Friends. Is form permanent or impermanent? are feelings, perceptions, fabrications, consciousness permanent or impermanent? Great teacher, they are all impermanent. And is that which is impermanent easeful or stressful? What is impermanent is always stressful, great teacher. Friends, it is fitting to self is it fitting to self-identify with what is impermanent and stressful always subject to change, uncertainty, As, this is me, this is mine, this is what I am. Great teacher, it is not fitting to self-identify with what is impermanent and stressful, always subject to change and uncertainty. As, this is me, this is mine, this is what I am. These series of questions that the Buddha is asking of those gathered are really a, teaching on the three marks of existence. He's asking these series of questions to lead his gathering to what they need to understand. This is the insight that we are doing our jhana meditation for. To see this very thing, that to understand that there's nothing that is permanent. And anything that's not permanent is stressful. So you have impermanence, the not self characteristic and dukkha. And really as John says, they are all, all just a package of dukkha. The Buddha continues. Friends, it is known by the wise that any form whatsoever that is Past, present, or future, any form that is internal or external, any form that is obvious or subtle, any form that is common or sublime, any form near or far, should always be seen through right view as, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not what I am. Furthermore, any feelings, perceptions, fabrications, or consciousness, whatsoever past, present, or future, internal or external, obvious or subtle, common or sublime, near or far, should always be seen through right view, as this is not me, this is not mine, this is not what I am. This, friends, is called a Dhamma practitioner who diminishes rather than embellishes, who abandons rather than clings, who discards rather than acquires, who scatters and does not pile up. The wise practitioner diminishes form feelings, perceptions, fabrications and consciousness, rather than embellishes these aggregates. The wise Dhamma practitioner abandons form, feeling, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness rather than clings to these aggregates. The wise Dhamma practitioner discards form, feelings, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness rather than acquire these aggregates. John's words, A wise Dhamma practitioner is no longer driven by the compulsion to adapt, accommodate, or embellish the Buddha's Dhamma in any manner. The heartwood of the Dhamma, the Eightfold Path, is the complete path of an awakened teacher to recognize and abandon all self-referential desire. The Buddha continues, Understanding impermanence permanence with regards to these aggregates, aggregates The well-instructed Dhamma practitioner grows disenchanted with form, disenchanted with feeling, disenchanted with perception, and they grow disenchanted with consciousness. So as your practice deepens through jhana meditation and refined mindfulness, you can see what they are, the reality of the aggregates. You can understand that they're unstable. One of the more, most important teachings, and again, as I overlaid things to the dependent inter- origination, was the empty empty nature of the aggregates. Uh, what can you miss about the aggregates if they're empty of any substance? We don't have control over them. We don't have domain over them. As our practice deepens, you start seeing. Those are the insights that you start having on your cushion and off. You can abandon unwholesome thoughts and acts and words because they are empty of any substance. As as the Buddha mentions, they're impermanent and therefore they're stressful. So why hold on to them? the buddha continues release they are now released. they now know they are released they know that birth is ended a life well integrated with the heart which has been fulfilled the task is complete they know that there will be no further entanglement with the world this friends is a dhamma practitioner who neither diminishes nor embellishes form feelings perceptions fabrications consciousness but who now Establishing a Dhamma, having abandoned identifying with these aggregates. This friends a Dhamma practitioner who neither clings nor abandons form, feelings, perception, fabrications, consciousness, but who is now established in a Dhamma, having abandoned these aggregates. This friends is a Dhamma practitioner who neither acquires nor discards form, feelings, perceptions, fabrications, and consciousness but who is now established in the Dhamma, having discarded these aggregates. This, friends, is a Dhamma practitioner who neither piles up nor scatters form, feelings, perceptions, fabrications, or consciousness, but who is now established in the Dhamma, having scattered these aggregates. I like this transition, and I, I picture this as what a calm arahant looks like in equanimity, that he no longer has to pass judgment, that he neither acquires nor discards. And I like that transition from just abandoning to really this state of equanimity that we strive for. The Buddha continues, Friends, I declare it is from diminishing, abandoning, discarding, and scattering these aggregates that one is established in the Dhamma, a wise Dhamma practitioner free of affliction. Friends, one who has released their mind from all wrong views is never afflicted again by speculation. This one is established in right view. And that's the end of the sutta. I think I just want to go around the room because I think this is a teaching that people will have a lot of uh, to say about it and questions. So why don't we start online first. Hey, Brian. Hey,
2: David. Thank you for this. Um, you're right. There's, there's a lot in here. Um, I guess a couple things
3: stuck with me. One, the clinging aggregates, clinging almost doesn't seem like
2: strong enough of an adjective, because when you, you overlay that with the dependent origination, you have fabrication, which immediately launches into consciousness. And they're just, it's just like this bundled tangle of wire versus these five, I, they're independent for sure, but they're so tightly wound together that its you know, it takes that jhana to start seeing them as independent artifacts.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and, and the other thing that I—I I, I picked up in here was the the defilements and, and greed being the big one, of wanting to have those those fabrications and wanting to have those consciousnesses and, and just abandoning greed and aversion and that deluded thinking. It's almost synonymous with, with the, the rest of the verbiage in this this sutta about disenchantment and disentanglement and abandonment. So thank you.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I, I, I saw the diluted defilement and I, I guess because they're all rooted in ignorance, I guess any one of them is just simply ignorance. But, uh, again, I like that transition to an instructed practitioner can now see the aggregates for what they are. So, thank you. Michael, good evening. You're on mute.
5: Hi, David. Uh, very nicely... Uh, um put there I, I like your your lecture um a lot of good points in this in this sutta um i i particularly like uh i know you mentioned this before and uh, john has mentioned it also um recognizing that the aggregates are actually empty you know so if they are empty then what is there for us there to um spend our time or, or or they appear to me to be a not a the type of place I would want to place my time in something that is empty so that also enables me to think of them as um, you know again through that lens of that they are empty it makes it easy for me to see them as such and it just gives me a better understanding of of uh, almost a, a detachment from them or seeing them for what they truly are, which is of a uh, great help uh, in uh, forming or becoming dischanted with them. And more importantly, that dischan- that dischantment will lead to dispassion. And dispassion is, I believe, a, a higher understanding or evolution in this process of, of liberation uh, it's that dispassion that enables us not to engage in anything that uh, we see as not having any value at all uh, in relation uh, in relation to learning and practicing the Dhamma so I do believe that uh, this passion takes cultivation from, from right view, uh, because uh, in right view we uh, recognize uh, the not-self, and anything that is the not-self is, again, and there's that word again, is empty. So that enables me to let it go, you know, and to release myself from it. So uh, that's what I, I got out of this, and uh, thank you for your teaching.
1: Thank you, Michael. Again, our practice is to make our mind supple and calm so we can see these aggregates for truly what they are. And uh, again, it's I see the importance of keeping things within the context of all the teachings. You know, it's too easy to you know, take these classes and, you know, have them stood up as an individual thing that we're learning. We're learning about becoming and then move on to the next. But it's really, a uh, again, within the context of dependent origination, you you can always kind of stay on point of what the practice is, is for. So thank you. Thank you. Hi, Julia.
6: Hello, David. Um, thank you for the teaching. Um, I'm just going to take noble silence today. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you. Shay? Good evening. You're on mute. Hi there. Hello, Hi, I'm everyone. David. <laughs>
6: So, uh, you know, I always have something to say, so <laughs> um, I apologize if it's uh, tautology or repetition, but so much of the Buddha's teaching was repetition to enable us to uh, learn. Um, and um, with each of these suttas, I think it's always so wonderful to see the brilliance of the teaching, and the utter simplicity of the language that is uh, behind the teaching. And, you know, as you were reading this, David, I think I, right at the beginning of this um, sutta, almost, um, you know, talking about which five. And, you know, uh, in the sutta, the writing is that when recollecting, I was one with such a form in the past one is only recollecting form. When recollecting, I was one with such a feeling in the past, one is only recollecting feeling, going right up to fabrications. And for me, this is the absolute foundation of what, you know, um, every week we talk about in this uh, sangha, really is exactly this. Once you have an eye that dependently originates these formulations whether they be form from the body feelings sensations perceptions consciousness you immediately have samsara you're fabricating so even just with each of these aggregates this beautiful teaching of i was one with such a form in the past i when we look back in the past for me and say, oh, I regret that, or you know, I, I wish I hadn't done that. Or some, there's an I, there's a self that your is the self-referential, um, uh, you know, aspect that one suddenly forgets. And it's the same. I hope this will happen, and I hope the outcome will be this or it. You know, if I do this again, there's this sort of sense of having some control of the future again that can create anxiety and um, suffering. So, um, the, the five aggregates to me are um, you know, I the foundation of my understanding of the dependent origination and this is this phrase that I always think of that all phenomena including the self being dependently originated are empty of inherent existence mm-hmm. and we've heard the word empty used a, a few times today. But you know there isn't an, uh, a substantial essence in, in a sense, uh, such as the self or some eternal um, uh, entity. Once the body, you know, die. When we die, the body just disintegrates and and is, uh, you know, um, decays and passes back. Uh, and the same with all uh, things as well. So to end it, uh, it's so beautiful the the, the way each uh, um, aggregate is not a separate entity either so you can begin to get a sense of how complex this fabrication is that you have this form and then you have a feeling term associated with it and then you go on and on and you get this whole mass of you know i call this edifice of like this um, uh, kind of fabrications that are creating suffering because it's like not really reality it's just the way we formulate it based on these five aggregates so for me it's such a beautiful and profound bringing us back, as always, to dependent origination and the 12-step cycle of Pratikya Samutpala or whatever the Pali term is. Um,
1: So, I think it's just great. Thank you. I I agree. uh, I just always like to visualize where my practice is within that, at that point of contact. And that's where restraint, wise restraint, exists, and the deepening mindfulness. Because what are we mindful of? We're mind, mindful of our body, our feelings, our thoughts, the the aggregates. So that's where, when I visualize this, I, I. Plunk it right down in the middle of where I have control right here and right now. So it, it, it is a beautiful in its simplicity and again within the context of all the teachings. So thank you. That was very good. Great insight. Hello, Anthony. Hi. Um-
7: I, uh, I really got a lot out of this sutta because it really kind of brought home for me the connection between the five clinging aggregates and karma and rebirth and and impermanence and how impermanence is sort of the great neutralizer because if you realize that every nothing is permanent then you don't really want to spend a lot of time getting caught up on every, anything you know, for that matter so um, it, 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 it helps to put it all in perspective. And one of the things that I really was starting to see was just how interconnected the five clinging ag- aggregates in karma and rebirth is because I was starting to look at it as not so much as uh, what, the, what people think that don't know about the polycanon, they think it's some kind of a mystical, magical thing. But in reality, I think there's a karmic moment in almost every action you have right because if you're if you're caught up in if someone let's say someone cuts you off on the road you know you can choose to get really angry about that and then you're bringing that anger home and now you're upsetting your family and it's just perpetuating the rebirth of that original moment in traffic but then you can look at it differently and reframe it and say okay maybe that person is in an emergency and let me get out of the way (laughs) and godspeed to them you know and it changes the whole karma and the rebirth of that moment and you take it out into the society uh, with more peace and equanimity and then people respond accordingly. So it's just very, to me, uh, very interconnected and I really enjoyed hearing it and love the dialogue tonight. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Anthony. Teacher Jen, hi. (laughs)
3: Hi, thank you for your teaching, David. I've really appreciated everybody's comments so far as well. Um, I, when when we self-identify with impermanent phenomena, then the mind becomes obsessed with achieving, piling up gathering, acquiring, fixing, changing, solving. All of these things that ignore um, the reality that we have no control over this stuff, this impermanent stuff. And that's why I just love how the Buddha in this sutta, contrasts or kind of holds up against these words of gathering, piling up, achieving, acquiring with scattering and abandoning because that's the practice that interrupts that tendency and allows for us to come back to what's happening So that's all all
1: I got thank you and thank you. again it the, the purpose of our jhana meditation practices to create that s- supple mind where it's there's that tension that Matt has referred to in the past where you're distracted, and your your the mind isn't supple, and it can't see those things, and there can't be wise restraint at the point of contact. Uh, so, for the simple example that Anthony you know brought up about just traffic, it, it, you know, your your karma is each moment regardless of whether it's a small moment or uh, a huge decision in your life you, sh- you should be guided by the uh, heartwood of the Dhamma so uh, again thank you
0: Brett <clears throat> uh, good to be here thanks for your teaching um, <clears throat> its good to hear everybody everybody's uh, take on it and, uh, and really you know, the, the fact that everything is impermanent, um, why do we get hung up on it and how we fabricate it and put I in there and then get loaded up with all the I's and it's so hard to drop all the fabrications because we're all filled with that. And I guess from speaking from my own <clears throat> personal experiences, is that uh, I guess if there's not, uh, if you're not taking care, if, you're, uh, if there's a, adequate self-care has to be in there for me. Because it's when I'm i in kind of more of an optimal health, uh, it's easier. To <coughs> see, it's easier to see the fabrication. It's easier to realize things are impermanent. Uh, realize you know all of that. Uh, the aggregates are you know false or non-existent. You're saying if you're not you know two, <coughs> if you have years trying to make it a, a, a jo- you know trying to make a conjunction with what you were saying in the beginning uh, with the aggregates <clears throat> too much of them I forget what you were saying in the beginning, but um you know, aging sickness and death but you know if you were to uh, for me i guess too much of too much of certain things it's uh and then it's <clears throat> it's hard to, to see the uh you know What's what's true and what's false. So the more I take care of myself, I guess the better I can do with you
6: know
0: the Dharma and you know all the things that we talked about tonight. So thank you.
1: Thank you. And of course, the best self-care is taken to the Dharma. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks. Hello, Mary. Hi, David.
0: Thank you very
3: much for teaching tonight.
1: Thank you. Hello, my friend Jane.
3: Hi. Thank you, David. I can't speak as eloquently as everybody has so far, but I'm um, just thinking of my own practice. I had a progression. I had to first you know, stop clinging to the past, and then I had mm-hmm. to stop projecting to the future before I could get to the place where I could you know, be in the moment and mm. be conscious of the, of the aggregates in, in the present, so it was a, it was a process.
1: I was thinking of you, I was watching one of John's earlier ones and of course we all come to this practice from different backgrounds and John was telling the story of how relating to past lives and that was part of the the process. And I think you and I are similar where on a much smaller, you know, scale, you know, the past in this life or looking ahead to, you know, something a week or a month or a year from now. It is the same thing. It's the same process of, you know, stress and suffering. So, thank you. Ram. Mm. Um, thank you for
4: this teaching. in
1: um, yeah, the
4: big picture of what we're talking about um, becoming. Um, this is just another take on mm. where they arise and how we how we deal with becoming in our in our practice. Uh, and it lays out the whole the whole thing. Mm. Um, uh, you know, in, in previous ones we've we. Related to karma and and how that works in becoming. Here, the the five clinging aggregates are brought in there and shown as as the the, the root of it. And um, and here we we really see how the practice comes comes in here uh, as how how we are afflicted with becoming. And mm how the practice will allow us to abandon all of that.
1: Thank you for your insight. Thank you. Teacher thank Kevin. David. Nice to see everybody.
8: Uh, thank you for this teaching. I, I think that uh, everybody has really gotten something out of this. Um, I thought that the way we've sort of arrived at you know, the way this, this study is going and the way this Sutta sort of, uh, you know, comes to a to a peak here is about the relationship between karma, experiencing karma, and the five clinging aggregates, which experience that karma and, and where it call where it comes from, and really that's wrong view, you mm-hmm. know? And, and the Buddha is bringing it back to developing profound right view because as we've said fabrications in the present the past the future they're all empty yeah. they have no weight to them and, and all that the buddha is asking us really as we've described what becoming is what karma is how we experience it where we tend to notice it first feeling and, and contact he's bringing us back to a point of sort of experience and comfort here that that all we're releasing is is just wrong views they're just mm. they're just fabrications that were rooted in ignorance that's all we have to let go of and and it takes a practice or, or some time in the practice to come to that and that's why it isn't so bad to let those fabrications go when he describes the joy of release so it really he really did a good job of bringing us to that and thank you i think john's going to do a nice job with it back to that book but i definitely saw how you taught that right view and profound right view coming out so thank you thank you thank you
1: teacher matt david
8: excellent thank
9: you for the teaching um really great great and discussion tonight i've really been enjoying this tremendously and i think everyone has <clears throat> just shared some beautiful Insights into the Sutta uh, and their own practice, um, just to kind of piggyback on what Kev was saying. It's there's sort of this this idea of agency, and that that. The form aggregate has agency. The feeling aggregate has agency. The perception aggregate has agency. They have, these These aggregates are, as Shay described, I. As soon as we put I in there, now, now we give this aggregate agency.
3: Hmm.
9: And as you said, and as Kev said, it's empty of any agency. It's, only wrong views so this this idea of of as soon as we claim agency or or insert a self-referential structure now we have karma now we have Becoming, and we have rebirth rooted in ignorance, um, of four noble truth, and and ultimately which is wrong view. So, just a just an excellent, excellent teaching, David, and and really great Sangha discussion.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you all. It's, uh, as Shay said, it, it, there's a beauty to dependent origination and overlaying all the other teachings it kind of takes the mystery of it out a little bit and uh, I don't want to make the same mistake as Ananda did saying that it is easily understood but uh, you know again with everyone's input and understanding it, it does become a little less mysterious. So thank you, everyone. A couple housekeeping items. Again, John, on Saturday, on January 1st at 8.30, will be uh, teaching the last in this series. So please uh, join us.
8: Auspicious
1: day. Auspicious day. Uh, And February, no, January 13th, is the Sangha dinner at I believe six or six thirty? So anyone who can join us, Brian, have you figured that out?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna hold off for the uh, retreat in February.
1: Yeah, I totally understand. That's uh, that, that's uh, probably a probably wise decision. And then, more. and then the uh, the retreat is February fourth. So that's a a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, uh, again, uh, I I thought the last one that we did on-site in uh, Frenchtown was just a a great gathering of the sangha. So I hope to see everyone. Again, always best to, you know, attend each one. It's going to be on Zoom as well, so anyone who can't join us in person, please join us online, and then... uh, I think that's it. So uh, we'll conclude our class tonight with the Karnina Metasuda, as we always do. So please find your meditation posture. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble. And not conceited contented and easily satisfied unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways peaceful and calm and wise and skillful not proud or demanding in nature let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later approve may all beings be at ease whatever living beings there may be whether they are weak or strong omitting none the great or the mighty medium short or small The seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another, or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the sky and downwards to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain the recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you everyone. Have a safe and peaceful New Year's and hope to see you Saturday.
0: Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.